Welcome to the Becoming One podcast, where as the church, we learn to pursue peace in a divided world. Here is your host, Pastor Sean Wilson. Amen, amen. Welcome back to the Becoming One podcast. I know we've been absent for a little while, been things been getting kind of busy around here, but here we are on February 23rd, 2021. And today I want to talk to you about a topic um, that there's much debate in the, in the body of Christ, but I want to, I'm going to teach you this or, or talk to you about this topic in a way that's going to bring us together as a body of Christ, because I believe that if we, if we learn to teach the word of God, the way that the word is, is written, it will ultimately bring the church, the true church of God together. And those that don't follow suit with the word of God, of course, they'll naturally draw away from that. Um, today, I will do my best to be clear and concise with this topic of tongues. Now, don't turn away. Don't turn. Don't turn. I know some people are like, I don't need to know this. You know, I, I've seen that before. People was like, well, I'm going to tell you something. Everything that is written in the word of God we need to seek understanding from the Lord, um, according to the scripture. And this is something that I had sought out uh, understanding for some time. And I, I want to share with you what I have come to understand by just what the scripture says. Um, but in any case, I want us to come over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. There's a couple of things I want us to first of all understand. Understanding that the word tongue actually means language. It means language according to the scripture. So it's actually a language that is spoken. That means that if it's in a language, that means that there's a person that can understand what is being said. Um, and this is what I want us to understand. We sometimes, we sometimes look at the scriptures in a way where depending on how someone has taught us, that's kind of the way we'll, we'll kind of go ahead and lead it. But I'm going to, I want to tell you, we, we'll follow it because this is the way that we heard it. Anything that we haven't heard this way, um, we will reject it. But what I want to encourage you to do today is just take a minute, be like a Berean. And I want you to go back and search the scriptures to see what I tell you is true. Because most of it, I'm, I'm going to read out of the scripture anyway. So I want to kind of talk about, first of all, in, in the book of Corinthians, and when Paul was talking to those in Corinth, these people were people who the, the spirit of God was, was, yes, it was flowing in there. This is where he addresses those gifts of the church, not for the sake of trying to teach them in a sense, but there were people who had the manifestations of the gift of God operating in their lives. But then they thought that these things were made them seem more superior. There was a lot of immaturity in Corinth. There was a lot of division. There was a lot of look at my teacher, this teacher. We see that as the scripture starts in the first chapter of Corinth. There was jealousy. There was envying. There was strife. They were um, Paul talked about them being um, babes still needing milk. They was not ready for the meat. Um, it was it was a lot of different things that he communicated it's because of the maturity level of this church. Then he went on. He talked about how the gifts, the spiritual gifts were for the complete body of Christ, which is was ultimately too. And when we look at first Corinthians chapter 12, we see that we see a lot of other issues that were going on in the church. 
Today, I want to kind of talk about tongues because, see, remember in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, he starts off in the first verse by saying this. He says, if if I speak with a with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. So he's talking about love. He's talking about love. And he's going to give examples of what love mean in this, this chapter. I'm just kind of going through this. I just want to kind of lay a groundwork today. In verse three, it says, and if I have given all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Now, some people will say that is love. I'm giving all my stuff up. That is love. But you understand now he goes in and he starts to define what love is. He says love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag. And it is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. See, all of those things, everything that you see in those scriptures is talking about things that represent or are contrary to what love means. So when we talk about it's it's arrogant, it's like a person you see that's arrogant, then that's not love. When you see a person that's in jealousy, that's not love. When you see a person that does not have patience, it's, it's not love. Um, a person that seeks their own. So you can give you can give things to people, but at the same time in your heart, be seeking notoriety or seeking the attention and then it not be love. So this is, is more than just doing a deed. It's really where is the seed? Like what seed is placed in you? Um, a few weeks ago, I talked about how there we're, the seed that is placed in us causes us to to live according to the word of God. It says that if we have the seed of Christ in us in first, first John chapter three, if we have the seed of the Lord in us, guess what happens? It says that we will not be able to practice sin. That's because see the seed starts out small and it grows within us. It's, it's within us. And it's the seed of Christ is the Holy spirit. And as we learn and grow and walk, we develop, we mature. So this is what this is talking about. So as we continue to go through here, he says it is not is not provoked. In some verses, it says it's not easily provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. So it doesn't hold grudges in a sense. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. See, the whole, when you have love, you bear all things. You believe all things. You hope for all things. You endure all things. These all things is talking about love. There's no fear. There's no speculation. It's hoping. It's all everything. It's everything about forward thinking. It's everything about being forward in our thought and in our motives and in our mind and in our heart. And in verse eight, it says that love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. No one knows the whole message. No one knows it all. Amen. We know in part. We don't know it all and we don't prophesy at all. Amen. 
But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. Who's the perfect or what's the perfect? And we all attribute this to the revelation of Jesus Christ because he says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, this is where it's going to clarify that. Now when we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then when it's then I know fully just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope and love abide these things, these three, but the greatest of these is love. See, love, those are the things it says, faith, hope, and love. If, and this kind of defines what love means. So as we look at this text, he leads us into um, the next section of scripture. And I, I know it's broken down in a chapter, but chapter 14, he, he walks into this after he explains what love's in. Then he, he encourages those in Corinth. He says, I want you to pursue love. Yet desire earnestly the spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So desiring the gifts is nothing wrong with desiring the gifts. And we know what the gifts are. We know that there's vocal gifts. We know that there are power gifts. We understand that. We understand the, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, um, per, the word of prophecy. We know uh, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, discerning the spirits. We know these gifts of healing. We know and understand all of these. These are all of the gifts, right? But he says to, yes, seek the spiritual gifts, but especially that you prophesy. Now, why did Paul mention about prophesying when he says pursuing love? And then he said, especially that you may prophesy. Let's continue to read in the second verse is going to help us to understand this a little bit more for the one who speaks in a tongue. Listen to this. The one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So when a person speaks in tongues, they're not speaking to a man. They are speaking to who? They are speaking to God for no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now that's, that's powerful. So it says for the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, but he speaks to God. Now I want you to understand that. This is a powerful um, statement, and this is going to set the groundwork for everyone to understand. So he said that he wants us to seek prophecy because when you speak in tongues, you're not speaking to your brother. You're not speaking to man. You're speaking to God. Even on the day of Pentecost, those that were um, the, the spirit of God came upon them and they spoke in tongues. They were not speaking to man. Man overheard them glorifying God. Get that. Understand that man overheard them glorifying God. Hallelujah, man. Amen. I'm telling you that's 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 powerful because every time you see people speaking in tongues, they were not speaking to man. They were speaking to God. And then God gave them gave people the ability to hear what they were saying. Each one of them heard in their own language. I want you to understand that God had to open their ears up to be able to hear that the day of Pentecost is a, is, is a prime example that we never look at the fact that there is many people there. But yet all the people heard in their own language. Don't you think if they were speaking separate languages, if each person was speaking separate languages, 
wouldn't it be kind of confusing to hear what was going on with everybody scattered around and then just saying things? How did they know what was said? Because there was one sound, but God made it so that they heard in their own language. They spoke tongues, but they the people heard in their own language. All right. They heard them glorifying God in their own language. So that's where we have the Lord working with that. I don't want to go too deep into that piece right now, but I want you to understand that when they speak in tongues, they're speaking not to man, but they're speaking to God. But the one who prophesies speak to men for edification, for exhortation, for consolation. Now, this is powerful here. When we speak in tongues, we speak to God. When you prophesy, who do you speak to? Man. So he wants to encourage us to love our brothers and our sisters that we can speak to right here. And we're going to get further down in here. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you even more clarification on this. In verse four, it says this, it says the one who speaks in a tongue edifies who himself. Remember, we talked about what love is. They don't seek their own. You know, they don't seek their own when we define that. So here it says the one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And that's the point, believers. The whole point is not whether you can speak in tongues or not. The point is, why are you speaking in tongues? Because if you have love, you want to do what is going to edify the church. That edifies the church. Speaking in tongues edifies yourself. And this is why I tell people I don't I don't permit I don't per, not permit people to speak in tongues. They just don't speak in tongues in the church because it doesn't edify the body. Let's continue to read here. Let's let's continue to read. We want to exercise love. So we want to speak so that the people around us can understand. Let's let's continue. It says, but now, brethren, if I come to you and I speak if I speak, if I come to you and speaking in tongues, what will it profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge of prophecy or of teaching? You hear that? What will it profit you unless I speak to you and give you revelation, knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Unless you can understand if I'm giving you something. So that's the that's the high place right there is to give them something that they can use. And then it goes on to say, yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, it produces a sound. If if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? How will how will it be known? Amen. We see that. How will it be known what is played on there if it doesn't have a distinct sound? He's still making his explanation of the importance of being able to hear what is being said. So and understand what is being said. Verse nine. So also, unless you utter by the tongue's speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world and no kind is without meaning. So there's many languages. They all have meaning because they all speak to a certain group, certain people group. So it all has a meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to one 
who speaks a barbarian and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me because we don't understand because we don't know what the language means. We don't know the intent. We don't know what's being said. We don't understand the message. So here it is, Paul again, he's he's hitting his home again. He wants us to understand that as we come together as believers, that we should speak in a manner that which our brothers can understand that there is distinction in what we are saying so that they can respond to it. Verse 12 says this. So also you, since are uh, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Don't just seek the spiritual gifts for yourself. Seek that it be done for the church place the church or basically your brethren yours those that are around you imagine if we went to church not just for ourselves but for our brothers and sisters in christ what if we went with a spirit of i'm going to edify my brothers and sisters today that's very easy for pe- preachers to do because we do it every we do it every time we get up we're we're trying to encourage the people we're trying to we're trying to say something that people understand because we want them to be blessed by the message. We want them to be encouraged. We want them to be comforted and edified. So verse 13 says this, it says, therefore let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Why? Why should he pray that he interprets to to show that he's more spiritual? No, it says to pray that he can interpret it in verse 14, he says this, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. I don't even understand it. If I pray in a tongue, what is the outcome? Then I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with the mind. Also, I will sing in the spirit and I will sing with my mind. Also singing in the spirit and singing in the mind. One is with the understanding that's fruitful to your own mind. And one is considered to be in the spirit. Now, a lot of people have that, you know, whether everybody can speak in tongues or this is a different types of tongues. Look, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to get right down to the nitty gritty and the, and the basis of this. What difference do it make? If we go to the church and we are in the church, we shouldn't be speaking in tongues. We should be speaking so that we edify one another in the language that they understand. So we're not barbarians to one another. That's the whole point of what he's teaching is not so much as can I, can I speak in tongues during church service? No. Hey, look, if you got the, in the way that he's talking, he's saying it, that you have a choice. You have a decision you can make. You can either edify yourself or edify your brother. Now you make the call. That's what he's saying. You make the call. If you have that gift, if you have that ability to speak in a tongue, then you make that call. But it should not be done in the church because he wants us to edify one another. He said, if you seek any spiritual gift, seek that you may prophesy. We know what that means, right? We know what it means to prophesy. What it does is for edification, exhortation, and consolation or comfort. So when we see that, we we have to have a, a great understanding of that. So then we go on. He said in verse 12, so I said, so also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seeks to abound for the edification of a church. That's what we want to do. We want to edify the church when we come together. That's the whole purpose of us coming together. We're not coming together for ourselves. We're coming together for one another. Amen. What a blessing. 
what a blessing if we if we come together for one another. Verse 15 says, what is the outcome then? We read that about singing in a, with with a fruitful mind and in a spirit when it's unfruitful. Verse 16. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, he says this, if you bless in the spirit only. So what is being said is whenever there's speaking in tongues, there's always a blessing and glorifying to God. It's not something that's done to man. So here he says, otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen? Now, many people say that ungifted mean it is an unbeliever. But I will tell you, it means a person that does not have that spiritual gift. Amen. The one that does not have that spiritual gift. So it says, how will one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen? Remember, he talked about what he's talking about filling the place. Remember, he talked about in first Corinthians chapter 12, and he says each member has their own place and and we're fit together. So this is the place of the person that's ungifted in that area, because we don't always not all apostles, not all teachers and not all, you know, so forth. So so this is the person that fills the place of the ungifted. How can they say amen to you giving of thanks to your giving of thanks since he does not know what you are saying. That's verse 16. How can a person that doesn't understand say amen since they don't know? So when you're giving thanks, they don't know what you're saying. How can they, how can they agree with you? How can they, how can we be of one of mine and one accord? How can we worship God together? How can we exhort the Lord together unless we speak in a language that we all know? For you are given thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. See, he says you are given thanks well enough, but the other person is not built up. They're not edified. That is that is something that is to me is uniquely powerful. Um, Romans chapter 14, verse 19 says this. It says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherein one may edify another. This is what we're supposed to be seeking. We're supposed to seek the things that not only for peace, but those things that edify one another. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul did. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all. However, In the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Amen. Now you hear that? He said he would rather speak five words with his mind. We already defined that with the mind so that he understands what he's saying than to speak 10,000 words in another language because the 10,000 words in another language will not edify the church. It will not edify the body. So he's saying the five words can be more powerful because it will edify the masses more so. Oh, this is good. This is good. Let's continue on here. It says, now, brethren, do not be children in your thinking. Yet in evil be infants. 
made he when he says an evil be infants he's saying an evil be innocent don't be don't be be innocent as it relates to evil okay so that you understand what that means be innocent as it relates to evil that means that you don't perform anything that is considered to be evil you can't they can't found find you as being evil in that way so be infants but in your thinking he wants us to be mature in our thinking he wants us to be mature amen okay in the law he reads in verse 21 in the law it is written by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers i will speak to this people and even so that will not listen they will not listen to me says the lord think about what happened on the day of pentecost on the day of pentecost what happened there was people that did not receive it they did not believe it and why? Because the person that was speaking in tongues was glorifying God, was glorifying Jesus. We see Philip's daughter. It says that they was prophesying, right? But they, when, when they was prophesying, what do you think that they were saying? They were glorifying God. On the day of Pentecost, they glorified the people heard them glorify God in their own language. We see the same thing happen to Cornelius, that he was glorifying God. We see the same thing happen when Paul was talking to those in um, some, some Jews at a synagogue. And they had rejected the truth of the gospel. And guess what they guess what they did? Paul said, Paul said, well, now I'm going to take this message to the Gentiles. And it was a mixed crowd there that this message is going to be for the Gentiles. And it talks about the goodness of the Lord. And it says that the Gentiles, they glorify God and as many as um, believe or as many as was appointed to believe received eternal life. So we see the response of a believer is that they glorify God. It's not so much as they speak in a, another language. So this is very important. Amen. Because we don't want to put undue pressure on people to say, you need to speak in tongues in order to prove that you're a believer. No, you need to glorify God. Amen. You need to glorify God. That's how you tell a difference. And the people that follow what the word says, those are the one that you receive. And we're going to see that just in a minute. Now, verse 22, it says, so then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe. So the tongues are not a sign to believers. So we don't use tongues as a sign to say um, that you're a believer or it's even a or a signify that you are a believer. But it's, a, it's not a sign unto believers, but to the unbelievers. It was to the unbelievers to draw them to God. But prophecy is a sign for not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. So prophecy profits believers. Speaking in tongues, prophet profited the unbelievers in a sense that they heard in their own language to see the power of God in operation. But don't get caught up into if God used me this way, then it's the way that I'm supposed to, this is the whole thing. I'm, this is, this is it, you know? No, the thing is, is love. That's why he talked about it in love in the 13th chapter that love will always be here. It will never fail. Love never fails. So verse 23, therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and uh, ungifted, we already talked about this ungifted men or unbelievers enter. Will they not say that you are mad? So if, if you come, if you come in, if they come in and y'all speaking in tongues, an ungifted person or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? 
And I know that you're like, oh, man, wait a minute. You just said that the, the tongues was assigned to the unbeliever. Yeah, but this is their response. They will say that you are mad. So this is what he said is more beneficial in a church setting to do it this way, because in a church setting, if a person comes into the assembly and there's tongues being spoken and everybody's speaking in tongues, it's confusing. It's like, what are they? What are they all saying? What are they all doing? So he says to speak so that people can hear and understand. And sometimes that can be a barrier. Now, let's look at this. Verse 24. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever and an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. So when a person prophesies and we know that we're glorifying God, we're magnifying God, we're sharing those things. And guess what God does? The secrets of his hearts are disclosed and he will fall on his face and worship God. So what are those people saying? They could have been glorifying God. They could have been doing everything. But we got to understand that God is doing a work in a person's heart at that same particular time. I don't know how many people who that are listening actually preach or have ministered the word of God before. But I understand exactly what this is talking about, because there's been time I taught messages where the message it meant something different to different people and it ministered to their hearts and gave them different. They responded different to the same message. So we don't know it ex exposing their heart. We don't know what they're praying or whatever. But sometimes when we are speaking the word of God to where they can understand it and it's like God is in operation, it does. It pierced their heart and they realize that God is there. Amen. It's not so much that it's always we're giving them a word of knowledge or all of these other things, but it could be that the secrets of their hearts or their secret prayers are answered through a message and God just penetrates their heart at that very time. Amen. I've seen it too, far too often and it happened to me and I, and I have people that witness and come to me and tell me that that's what happened to them when they hear of the message, amen, when they hear the message. So it says that the secrets of the hearts are disclosed. So the secrets of the heart are disclosed. And he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. So like God is looking for an environment where we're all coming together in love and he will be among us in those those type of environments. When we come together and if we're divided, God, the power of God operating amongst us is going to be dismal. It's not going to be something that's going to flourish. I want you to understand that when we come together and we assemble, this is what we're doing. We're building a spiritual house. So that's very important that we do that. So verse 26 says this, what is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a song or psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has a interpretation. Let all things be done for what? Edification. That's the most important thing. So for anyone, anyone speaks in a tongue. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three and each in turn, each in turn by two or three, but each in turn. He's giving this because there's order and one must interpret. 
But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So in the church, a person speaking in tongues to himself or to God is fine. But when you're doing it out loud, it needs to be in order. It needs to be interpreted, interpreted in that way. So then it says, let two or three prophesy prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. This is not talking about the other prophets. It's talking about the others. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. So it's all about edifying and exhorted and go back to prophecy, right? And then it says the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. It's not that prophets only listen to prophets. It's the spirits of prophets. That's the Holy Spirit of the action of the Holy Spirit in a believer. And as we all prophesy, we all glorify God. All we all talk about the Lord and, and his goodness. And when we hear these things about God and we share these things about God, we're subject to one another because of the spirit of God, because he's not separate. He's not divided. He's unified. And Jesus said this. He says that I don't say I don't speak of myself. I say what the father says and the Holy Spirit will do the same thing. He will speak what I say because they're one. So when we talk about the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, this is what we're talking about. It's unison and message. It's only one message. There are no alternative messages. There are no separate secret messages for certain people. This is not what this is speaking about. Uh, amen. This is talking about unified ed edification is what it's speaking about. So it says, for God is not a God of confusion. Just as I was saying, it's all about one. It's all about order, not of confusion, but of peace, because we know he's a prince of peace. And it says, and in all the churches of the saints, it's the same thing everywhere. And then he goes on to say that women are to keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak, but are to subject themselves just as the law also says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their husband at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in a church. Now, what was going on? It sounds like there were questions being thrown out from the from the seats to in the middle of the service, which would be out of order. It was out of order. Now here for us, and it says to let them ask their um, husbands at home. And, and you may ask, well, what if they don't have a husband? Well, why don't they, they can ask the priest after the service. Think about it today and how we would do it. You wouldn't just talk over the, um, the priest and just start asking questions in the middle of the service, unless that is the setting. Because I know like what we do in Bible study, many times that is what we do. We allow people to ask questions because we want them to ask questions as we go along. But in this setting, that was going to be considered out of order. So to ask that, the, the, the perfect explanation or the perfect example in scripture is when, when we had, um, who was it? It was Apollos. Apollos was corrected and shown a more excellent way by Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila had heard Apollos preaching. 
and it says that they pulled him aside after he was preaching and they taught him a more excellent way. He only knew the the message of John the Baptist, but they brought him to the side and they taught him an excellent way. So when we look at order, that's a perfect example of what it means to do. You don't stand up in the middle of a service or things like that. You, you seek clarification or you're seeking to pursue peace and you're seeking to edify. So if the whole point is to edify, then you would do it in in private. If you're trying to destroy, then you'll do it publicly. Amen. If you're trying to bring something down, you'll do it publicly. This this kind of exposes a lot of different things. So it and it says if anyone thinks, okay, let's go back to let's go back here to verse um, 35. If they desire to learn anything, let him let them ask their husbands at home for it is improper for a woman to speak in the church was it for was it from you that the word of god first went forth or has it come to you only if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual so it gives us a prophet or someone that's spiritual when we talk about spiritual we talk about maturity let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. Now we're going to talk about what that word recognize mean briefly. That word recognize means ignorant. Now let's look at this in verse 38. It says, but if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized in, in layman's term or a easier way to say it is, but if any man is be ignorant, let him be ignorant. That's what that means. In in the Greek, it means that let him be ignorant in this sense, in this context. Um, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner so what paul was talking about he was talking about how to again this is the focus of the church this station is to learn to understand what the scripture says because if we become one in the church we will learn to harmonize as well as understand the scriptures there are essentials to the christian doctrine of course, this is the gospel is non-negotiable. There's only one way to heaven. Jesus is the only way. Anyone that are outside of that are considered to be outsiders. They become they are not believers. But when we talk about functioning in the church, it is the goal for us to learn to live and work to, together as believers. We see how we're supposed to um, treat our older the older brothers and sisters. How the older brothers and sisters are supposed to treat the younger. How the wives are supposed to to handle other wives and the younger wives are supposed to teach them and coach them according to the ways of the word of God. These are things that help us with a unified approach to the body of Christ. Jesus himself preached and prayed that we would become one just as he is a father. I want we're told to have the same judgments. We're told to follow the word of God. Anyone that does not receive the words of Christ guess what happens if we don't receive the words of Christ, then we should not even receive them. Amen. So we may not believe we may not agree on everything, but we should learn how to live with with everyone within the confines of those essentials of the Christian faith. Amen. So the body of Christ, I want to share with you today. 
I want to share with you just that little short um, explanation of First Corinthians chapter 14 as it talks about speaking in tongues. And of course, we can go a little bit deeper into this um, section, but I think that just says it enough. The point of the gifts is to edify. If it's not edifying, then we're not doing what God has purposed us to do. So as we meet together and as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we meet together, as we as we come to fellowship with one another, and I'm not just talking about only this in a church service on a Sunday, because that's not necessarily the only form of fellowship. But when we come together as brothers and sisters in conversation and our talking and our meeting that we learn and we look to edify one another, because there's going to be times where there where I may need encouragement and you may need encouragement, but we should be there to encourage one another. That's the whole point of gathering and coming together. Amen. So it's not just to see a service happening in the church. It is to really understand what it is that God has called us to do is to be unified so we can go out and we can evangelize. If there is division within the church, how can we evangelize with the message outside of the building and outside of our relationship? What are we asking people into a defunct dysfunctional relationship? Hey, but in any case, I just wanted to share that with you today. I wanted to encourage you. I wanted you to hear this message and I pray that this blessed you, gave you some clarity and go back and go back and look at it yourself. But I'm going to tell you, love is the ultimate thing. If we have the seed of love sown in us, we will always be led to seek the peace with our brethren and forgiving one another and seeking to um, be unified in the body of Christ. So with that said, hey, I hope you join us again at uh, another broadcast and we'll go a little bit deeper into maybe this subject or maybe it may be something else that we may talk about. I might talk about, you know, us not forsaking the assembly of the saints. What does that really mean? That may be a good topic for us to discuss because we hear so much about this today that, you know, the church is being persecuted because they can't assemble in groups of greater than 10 or what have you. But maybe we'll talk about that discussion. But until then. Hey, be blessed. Have a great and wonderful day. And I pray that God continues to show you the truth of his word and that you continue to grow in your faith and live a life of repentance and giving glory and honor to God. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us today on the Becoming One podcast. We request that you please like, share, and subscribe to our station, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. Remember, to pursue peace in a divided world, we, the church, must organize, neutralize, and evangelize. Let's become one.